Hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Quick, episode 96. Today, we have our Patreon Real Quick review, and this week, we're going to be reviewing Sorry to Bother You. This was suggested by our Patreon member, Zach Graves. So, shout out to you for the recommendation. This is one, honestly, that I've just been putting off for, like, no reason. Like, I, I almost pressed play on it, like, Same. months ago, and I've just been kind of like, I need to, need to watch it, and it, it just kept slipping past my radar, but I'm happy we finally watched it. Um, we're going to break down to it, but, of course, check, the, check out our Patreon. The link's down below, whether you're on audio or youtube there's links always in the description so you can check it check us out on patreon for all the perks including join our discord um re- recommended stuff for reviews drafts um, merch discounts hangouts movie watch alongs all that kind of good stuff so let's just jump right into it so the synopsis of this movie which is from 2018 directed by boots riley this is uh, in an alternate present day version of oakland black telemarketer cassius green discovers a magical key to professional success which propels him into a macabre universe this is like a this is really like a genre bending film. I'd say I'd say it's definitely like a comedy while also being fantastical science fiction, honestly, some like horror elements in there, like low key, like it's not like scary or anything, but like the way the movie plays out kind of can play out like a horror movie. So really this bends all kinds of genres. It's all over the place. Not necessarily that in a bad way, but just really just touches on a bunch of different genres here. So we're going to break it down. We're going to start by talking, you know, non spoilers at first and just kind of give our overall thoughts because as we've been doing, which is another great recommendation from Seth, we aren't posting our reviews on Letterboxd unless it's a rewatch we'd already seen. So our reviews have already been out there. So we kind of hide our scores and then uh, we'll update them later when, when we release an episode. So I'm really interested to hear what you guys think because I have no clue what you guys think. But I'm going to start off with Seth. What are your overall thoughts on your rating for Sorry to Bother You starring Lakeith Steinfeld and Tessa Thompson, right? Yeah, Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of the same as you, Tyler. I've had this on my watch list for like ages. Is this an A24 film? It's not, is it? No, but it feels no. like it could be. It does, yeah, I get that. So I've had this on my watches for ages, and yeah, I really, really liked it. Really liked it. I think. Wow, I like that we're not showing our reviews before these now because it's so interesting to hear what you guys are exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was really great. I think it's it's unique. It's ambitious with its commentary. It, there's there's so much in it in terms of you know commentary on on race uh capitalism you know climbing the economic dream that is so heavily pushed within our capitalist structure um things like the you know modern slave trade and slavery and stuff like that but then i think it's also funny it's original i think the keith stansfield is is just so so good i actually didn't know stephen yoon was in this as well so it was a nice surprise. oh yeah i forgot to mention that he's like yeah yeah he's like 10th on the cast list right now which is crazy yeah 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 that was quite a nice surprise um and I think the best thing about this film is that I I didn't I've not I didn't even do anything before and I didn't even read the synopsis of this film I hadn't like previously read the synopsis or anything because I just think I was told to go into it with a, a complete blank slate and that's exactly what you should be doing because it just throws so many curves bends at you and I think I'm a sucker for most things surreal um, and like <clears throat> you know almost being in this kind of alternate reality but it, but having things to provoke thought and having just an overwhelming amount of enjoyment as well because i think some of the sequences of this were really funny um especially when lakeith Stansfield just kept doing the voice all the time i just think that's <laughs> hilarious like it really got me and it also kind of like you know when he when he i used to work in you know telemarketing and stuff like that i used to work in sales centers exactly the same when i was younger and it, there are things that kind of are so true when it comes to climbing the ladder and kind of how how companies will go about things to make sure that you're on their side of of equations like this, and I just think it was so unlike anything I've seen. You know, we've seen we've seen films have a similar uh, 
commentary perspective before many films many films have done the same uh the same sort of thing when it comes to showcasing that but i think it just did it in such a weird way that i really really enjoyed that yeah i thought it was great and the ending really threw me off as well it's fucking crazy man uh so rating wise i'm not sure i'm gonna be like a four maybe a 4.5 maybe like i really really enjoy this a lot more than i thought like in the first 10 minutes i was like this this is gonna be good i can tell (laughs) i think lakeith stansfield just has this presence i really enjoy as well i just really like him as an actor same with tess thompson and and same with steven yoon of course uh and i mean look there's a few cast of choices, like obviously we'll go into but like his voice is uh, is it David Cross? What's his name? David Cross. Yep, David Cross. I I, I just think it's it's so funny when he starts it. We'll go into it, but yeah. So I, I'm leaning like a four, four point five, maybe a four, but it was really, really good. Like I can see it go up on rewatches. I think this is another film like we speak about before, like we spoke about with um, Burning or Blowout, whatever. This just warrants more watches because there's so much to it, especially with this. Mm-hmm. Like there's so fucking much. Mm-hmm. There's so many more. There's so many metaphors that that, that, that really pull off, and I'm, I'm sure I'll have missed quite a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. sorry to bother you. Really, really liked it. About four yeah. out of five, maybe a four point five. We'll get into it more when we get into spoilers. But speaking of burning, like Stephen Yoon's character, like low key, like same exact guy as burning. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. A little snaky, just sneaks in. Similar uh, to like beef. I know you guys didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's just Stephen Yoon's. Like, like I did watch beef, but I think it's just Stephen Yoon's oh, okay. kind of bag is just to so be that kind of guy. But uh, George, George, what are your thoughts on Sorry to Bother You? Which uh, also I didn't see your letterbox. So I don't know if you put a rating or not, but I have no clue. Your no, thoughts yeah, I t- took my rating off. Obviously, just to to. For, for the anticipation of this episode. Um, no, I really like this. This is actually the only second time I've seen this movie. I had watched it a while back, like closer to its release day. Um, and the, the word that Seth said that stuck out to me was just ambitious. Um, that's exactly what this movie is, which I fucking like. It's a, it is a genre blend amplified on max. It's absolutely absurd. It starts off as, you know, this, this very tight drama comedy drama dramedy we'll call it um we got some romance in there um and then you know obviously we'll go into more spoilers the movie takes an absolute turn and like you said tyler there it's not scary but there are some horror elements there are some fantastical elements there's some science fiction elements um so it's just a very it's a very chaotic blend of genres and then this movie could have easily absolutely fallen flat and i'm sure that you know, the, the third act does lose a lot of people. I'm sure that twist does uh, turn off a lot of people to this movie, but I love it. I, I love when uh, filmmakers just take those risks uh, and, and just give us something unique. And, and again, I'll use the same word, ambitious. Um, like Seth touched on the social commentary, uh, this is just, this got to be like one of the best anti-capitalism movies out there. Uh, and it's just, it's fucking hilarious that, that this particular story is, is how that, uh, you know, capitalist behavior is kind of, uh, portrayed. Um, really liked it. Uh, I'm right there with Seth between a four and a four and a half. I had originally had it a four and a half, um, but after rewatch, I think I'm leaning a little closer to four, but I might keep it at the four and a half just because I still had such a great time with this movie. Like Keith Stanfield just balls out here. He is so goddamn good. Tessa Thompson as well. They, they included a lot of romance and a lot of, uh, you know, personal struggle that, that you see within, um, I guess, corporate America in terms of like 
men like rising to power and their persona and their demeanor changing and i think they portrayed that rather well between um within his relationship with tessa thompson's character um see so yeah, overall i'm at a four four and a half probably lean a little closer to four but really really like this movie um really just an out-of-pocket movie with a, a ridiculous left turn that works for me mm-hmm. yeah i I'm a little lower than you two. I, I still give it a 3.5 stars. So I, I still definitely liked it. One thing that's interesting is Lakeith Stanfield was actually only cast in this because Do- uh, Donald Glover, you know, Childish Gambino was the lead, but then he was in solo, which took him away from this. So would have had a Donald Glover, Danny Glover, little action. But um, I think Lakeith Stanfield is a much better option because this is not a discredit to uh, Donald Glover's acting ability. I think he's a great actor, but I just don't think he can put that, on edge like like Lakeith Stanfield just can play that character where it's just like something like there's like a little screw loose like something's a little missing there like it feels like at any moment he might snap like I feel like Donald Glover wouldn't have been able to portray that as well as Lakeith Stanfield yeah. did who I thought was great but yeah I enjoyed this one it's a it's a heavily heavily socio-economical socio-political plot here and what I think it's more creative and abstract than like an Adam McKay movie but in terms of like a lot of people criticize Adam McKay movies for being like super on the nose and super like in your face, like, ah, oh, here's my social commentary. I feel like this one is like sort of like that where like it didn't really hold your hand or it did hold your hand a lot through like the messaging I thought it was trying to give you like socioeconomically, which I'm not like the type to be like upset by that. But I just think like it wasn't while it was a creative movie, I feel like the the themes they were kind of going for were it wasn't really that abstract. I feel like it was kind of just like in your face a bit, which it kind of worked in this movie because it is such a bizarre plot that being able to kind of ground it by having a little more cohesive themes or something like under the skin, like we talked about on the real talk episode, like that's a movie that just like hasn't, it won't tell you anything of what it's really trying to go for. You're going to have to pull it all yourself. Um, but I enjoyed this. It's uh, we'll, we'll kind of just get into spoilers now because I kind of just want to go through the timeline of how this movie unfolds, but overall thought it was a great social socioeconomical commentary. The acting was great. I loved all the cast. And it was just a very creative movie by Boots Riley. Very, very off-kilter, oddball kind of movie. So let's jump into actually talking about the film. So basically, Cassius Green and his girlfriend, who's played by Tessa, Tessa Thompson, they're kind of struggling, not really making ends meet. They're living in basically a garage of someone's house. Um, so really just not having a great living situation. They're behind on their rent. She's an artist. So obviously, as everyone knows, with artists, like it's pretty hard to make a consistent living doing that. And he's just trying to kind of keep them afloat. Um, he has like a really... Uh, a lemon of a car that's just breaking down. So basically he finds a job at a telemarketing agency. Um, and, and also in this world, there's some called, is it way free? Uh, the company name. Free, like that. Yeah. So basically there's a company that's a big theme in this movie or a big plot point in this movie that offers anyone who's struggling to come work for them. They'll get free housing for life, free food for life, free like medical, everything's taken care of. But basically in return, you're just working as a dog in these factories, basically sweatshops making the latest smartphones, the latest technology and gizmo gadgets for the rich people. And you're kind of just fed slop and just packed into a little rat house of like 10 people per room. So it's like a lot of people, when they get to kind of the breaking point in society, which Lakeith Stanfield's really close to, Terry Crews, who plays his landlord, is really close to, where they can't really afford to live anymore. They take this option of being like, well, you know what? At least we can make sure we're fed and we're going to survive if we go kind of sell our soul to this corporation. So he goes to work for this telemarketing agency, which is also a very big telemarketing agency. And that's where he meets Donald Glover, who kind of tells him like, Keith Sanfield at first is really struggling to make sales, um, basically just calling people, trying to sell them random things. And Don, Don, I keep getting Donald uh, yeah, and Danny Glover mixed up. There's too many Glovers going on. But uh, <laughs> Danny Glover 
kind of leans over to him in his cubicle and he's like, Hey man, like the only way you're going to start making sales, if you start to talk more white is to kind of put on a, put on a different persona. You can't act like you're struggling. You got to act like you got it all together. And you're just having a conversation as opposed to trying to sell them something. And that of course is what Seth alluded to where he takes on the so voice funny. of what's his name again? David Cross, David Cross, yeah. which is just so obviously... silly and wild. Cause like, it's like, it like the mouth <laughs> movements like don't even match up at all. Like most yeah. of the movies. That's either. what's so great about it. It just doesn't right. I think work that works when yeah. you're watching it, but it's just, it's so absurd. Like to the point where it just works like almost. So I, I, I tend to have an issue sometimes with films like Tyler said, that are very much on the nose of their commentary. This is don't get me wrong, but because it's so stupid, I don't mind it because they're saying things that are so like, okay, that's the commentary in your face, whatever. But it's so absurd to the point, you know, he's speaking and he's, you know, the voice is there. It's it's not even matching his lips at all. And I just think it's hilarious because that for me was the goal to create this kind of alternate reality that is of a surreal nature. Um, So, yeah, I I really, really like that scene when he first starts doing it and then Mm -hmm. obviously it becomes a a massive theme throughout the film as well. That's also another like great point where like, Lakeith Stanfield's just like a great cast casting choice is he always when he talks he kind of like mumbles like he doesn't really move his mouth much he does, when he yeah. talks so that makes it even funnier when like that yeah. like perfectly dictating white person like John Mulaney sounding voice coming out of him and he's like yeah. barely moving his lips and it's just so it just funny. works out perfectly um and so he he basically starts to become a great salesman and basically what people at these telemarketing agencies are trying to do is become a power caller so basically he works on the floor with all the entry level employees of all the basically the peons of the company i think they mentioned they don't get paid anything it's just purely based on commission of the sales that they make yeah so they're they're not then they don't get any benefits or anything like that but if you become a power caller which you see this grand elevator that has a 72 i mean that might be underselling it like a 72 number That's password in order to get in might even be longer yeah. than that it's that with this paper and stuff but he has yeah. to put it in so every time you walk into the building you see this elevator of where the power callers go which they go into this elevator and those are the best salesmen of the company they get that's where you make the big bucks. You're the rock stars of the company. You're getting loaded in money, more money than you can even handle. Um, so that's kind of what they tell all the peons on the main floor to be like, you know what? Like, this is what you could be like, work really hard and we'll put you there, which is kind of like just a great, what corporate America is in general. It's like, Oh man, I, I know we're only paying you salary, but if you work 80 hours this week, like I promise one day, like you're going to become a manager and it'll all be worth it. And it's this, like is the- like, this is <laughs> like, this is like the, antith- this is like the antithesis to, flaming hot film do you know what i mean <laughs> it's like this is like this is like taking the piss out of flaming hot themes because it really is like just divulge you like oh the american you know you need to work this much and you'll get there one day and it's like that is the this, this, this is that. this is how you do political commentary correct because we have yeah, pe- yeah. we got people arguing that the happening is a great movie because of its political commentary <laughs> but it was done so poorly but this hey, is how this is no how, m night slander this is how you take political commentary and make it meaningful, but also giving us this absurd movie. To be fair, Owen gave this movie a three stars. Basically, is like a six six out of five for all of us. Yeah, so, <laughs> Owen loves this movie too. Um, but yeah, so he's trying to become a power caller, and he starts using that white voice, and um, he basically starts having a ton of success. He's the best salesman on the floor. And while this is all kind of happening, Stephen Yoon's character enters the frame, and is starting to kind of organize a union within the workers, and kind of being like, "We're not getting any benefits." We're getting treated like shit. Let's all put down the phones, show them that they can't operate without us in order to try to get benefits. And at this point, Lakeith Stanfield's kind of like, 
Mm, these benefits are really money. benefiting me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Yeah, I get where you're going for, but I'm really benefiting from the system right now. So then there's a str struggle between them, which obviously Tessa Thompson gets involved with because Stephen Young, like we kind of alluded to earlier with burning and beef, he kind of starts to Mr. Steal Your Girl, starts to try and slide in, get close with her. Because obviously she, as an artist, who you see her earrings throughout the film, her clothing, her art, her her spoken word is very strongly politically active. So the fact that he's kind of becoming more uber capitalist and just kind of benefiting the system. And he's a like clog in the system. Like, right. The whole, yeah. the whole thing is like Keith Stansfield is representing humanity's like constant thing to sell your sacrifice, your morals for, for money. Mm -hmm. That's literally it. And like, he's climbed the ladder and he's just like the little people, but he's like, but I'm really benefiting right now. And it's similar to like the, the stuff that's happening at the moment, like the strikes and stuff as well. It's right. very, very similar. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I completely get what you mean. I thought that was actually a really, really good scene when he's kind of speaking about that. Really, really good. Because mm -hmm. yeah, obviously very topical right now because they mentioned it like plenty of times in the movie about being a scab, crossing picket lines, continuing to work like a, like if there was an actor right now, continuing to take jobs while everyone else is striking. It's kind of what Lakeith Stanfield is doing. And Stephen Yeun is organizing a union. They all go for it. So they're all kind of breaking against the the telemarketing agency but at this point lakeith stanfield is elevated to be a power caller and what he then finds out is basically they don't really even care about the people on the ground floor because they don't really bring in the big bucks which is the only thing i think divulges a little bit from the normal socioeconomic commentary because totally agree corporate america or corporate world doesn't care about like the frontline workers but the only thing I think is different here is they basically in this movie, the people on the floor, the money they bring in doesn't matter at all. It's all about the people up top. Whereas I feel like that's kind of opposite in like the corporate world where like, I feel like the frontline workers are essential to making your business run where in this yeah, movie, yeah, like yeah. they could fire all of them. So that's the only part like I didn't like love about the social commentary that I think misses a bit is they kind of I love how like, he has to, sorry, go on. No, 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 no. You go ahead. No, I, I, just, I love how he has to use his white voice all the time when he's <laughs> upstairs. I just thought that's but as, as soon as he goes up, um, What's the what's the guy's name again? Uh, Amari, the guy with the Amari Hardwick. Amari Hardwick. Yeah, and he's like he he makes sure to tell him as soon as he goes up, he has to use his white voice all the time. And he kept accidentally slipping up. It's so <laughs> funny. Man. That's it. Yeah, I do get what you mean though, because I think not just obviously corporate America, corporate life in general here as well. The the front line is very much a huge part of making that clog turn because they can pay them a certain amount and have them do this amount of jobs. I think it's. I think that that that's all going to is a little bit off, or it comes off a little bit off. So yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely get what you mean with that. Because kind of what they're going for here is basically saying like management is all that matters for making the big money, whereas I feel like that's kind of very opposite in the real world. The opposite. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he's a power caller at this point. He goes up top. Um, the crazy password. He gets to be basically in the fraternity house of of sales bros and sales women that are all you know just the classic Wolf of Wall Street type people that are just raking in money. And of course, once he gets to be a power caller, he finds out that their, their client that they're selling for is the Wayfree company. That um, So they're kind of doing the business aspect of the, Wayfree takes all these people who are in their last line of life, gives them a job to work in these sweatshops. And then what Lakeith Stanfield and the power callers are doing is selling businesses like, you know, like a fictional version of like a Samsung and an Apple to be like, hey, look, we can produce your phones for way cheaper if you go through Wayfree. So he's kind of doing those deals and he starts to make thousands and thousands tens of thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars in these commissions from these massive deals he's closing multi-million dollar deals he gets a brand new apartment really rich this is the point where tessa thompson and him kind of completely fracture and steven yoon comes in um and i kind of want to get to the point where i want to get your guys thoughts where the movie really takes a turn when army hammer is introduced <laughs> to the film as the ceo of way free and uh yeah george so when army hammer comes in and we're at the party 
which is like a stereotypical rich person party of just like naked women and drinking and and then drugs like yeah why what are your thoughts full full chat gbt stereotypical rich person party (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. that's exactly what they did for this movie um no that that's obviously when the movie took a turn the only thing i wrote in my letterbox was uh uh, from dusk till dawn level left turn because that's like perfectly put just jaw-dropping moment like when lakeith stanfield just like walks into that like shower or like that locker room mm-hmm. and then opens that door and a fucking horse comes out and then everything <laughs> unfolds after that the horse um, cock yeah the horse cock <laughs> the, the funniest scene is when uh lakeith stanfield asks tessa thompson's characters like can you look at my dick is it getting bigger at all and she's just like not really <laughs> uh oh. but no that's like one of those like just swing for the fences just be as ambitious and audacious as possible third acts that you could see in film um it's like i'll you know plug this movie as much as possible because i absolutely love it it's like danny boyle's sunshine which i don't think you've seen but the third act essentially just a complete gutted left turn just swinging for the fences and and for me it works for me um it it just kind of like the whole movie was just this absurd capitalist montage, this absurd, um, you know, anti-corporate America film. Uh, and, and that final act is where it really just like, let's just see how absurd we can make it. Like, we're already at this point where, like, we've established this film as being just ridiculous. Put on your white voice. Uh, getting in an elevator and the automated woman is going to tell you she's going to suck you off like we're like <laughs> yeah. like it's as absurd this movie is as absurd as it already can be so they were basically like fuck it like let's just take it one notch higher in this third act and really tie everything together and again i said this earlier i could absolutely see if people hate that third act i could absolutely mm-hmm. see if you were loving the movie up until that point and that's where you kind of turned your brain off um but that it, it just works for me with the commentary that this film was going for with the story this film wanted to tell it just it made sense that they were going to take it to some place that absurd yeah yeah the one of the most powerful scenes happens in that party for me when he goes into the room with all the elites and it's his first time there and basically they're like rap for us like yeah. dance monkey and it like it's powerful and imagery he's... too how he had to sit on the floor in front of everyone all of them are elevated looking down on him i thought that was a really great greatly directed scene and i feel like that's kind of one of the main themes i took away from this movie is kind of the false promise of the Amer- the melting pot of america everyone always talks about oh america's a great melting pot it's it's a new country historically in terms of it's only been around for just over 200 years everyone hears from other countries pretty much but what this movie kind of shows which i think is very true in real life is it's like the elites of society don't want it to be melting pot. They very much want us over here, you over there, you stay in your lane. I want you to rap for us. I want you to sell things for us. I don't want you to be my buddy. We're not that, that level. I, we still want you segmented away from us. I thought that was a super powerful scene. Um, really it's just a, a perfect. I mean, even like a perfect casting choice now because of army hammers allegations, but even back then, like playing coming from the winkle boss, like that's pretty much all people really knew him from. To this, I thought was just like such a great because he just plays that role so well of an arrogant douche who you just hate. He looks like one as well. Like he just mm-hmm. he fits the role so perfectly, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And of course, while he's at that party, he snorts a substance that he thinks is cocaine or some other, you know, uh, speed type drug. And uh like we talked about when that stepped away, that's he found like the horses in the bathroom that are basically. Did you speak about the dick scene? 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically, yeah. What Army Hammer's master plan is is to basically turn people into horses because they're you know bigger brutes, they're stronger, they're probably like they're beasts. Way more fast yeah, yeah, yeah. and productive and beasts. Um, and that's kind of what his end goal is here to just get uber productivity. And he, he I love tried... that scene at the end of his face. Just it's like, what the oh, fuck yeah, is the ending was wild. That final shot was <laughs> so, crazy. I love his it. Nose changes because you have hope for a little bit because it look, he stands it's, it it's going to the optimistic way. You know, mm-hmm. we're in this position where everything's kind of Thompson working out kind of better. He became they're better. Guy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Everything's like working out for the best. You know, we, we've seen him kind of these moral, rev- uh, rev- I, I can't even speak today. Like these moral reservations are like, he's we're seeing him get to this point where he's sorting everything out with Tess Thompson. You know, he, he's back in the union. He's realized his mistakes and he's realized that he was selling himself out. And then <laughs> the final scene, you just look at him and his face <laughs> changing. That, I was like, what the fuck? That was crazy. Yeah. Man. I I really enjoyed that. Cause I, like you said, it's like army hammer, like turning, is it army or army? Army, like the military it's... army. Oh yeah, yeah. So, He's like turning them into beasts and these, you know, like cogs in the machine kind of thing to be these physical beasts. I, I think that's such a swing ending. And I think George mentioned it when I when I stepped out. I think he was just talking about them. It is something where I can see that kind of turning people off in a way mm-hmm. because it is fucking weird. But I feel like now they're already at this point where they've put so much weird shit in the film. Let's just take it further. Do you know what I mean? To have this big swing, it really works for me. I really actually liked the ending. I thought it was just mm-hmm. fucking when i saw his face change I was like, <laughs> someone commented on a letterbox review saying this has to be one of the worst movies i've ever been forced to see i will never forgive my college english professor so it is a divisive film for sure it's funny because it's like this is like a the reception to this from what i've seen is like a kind of new age lynch for example in the way that lynch will put things in that are to a cause conversation but b are also just completely surreal to the point where you almost look at it and you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? And he loves that perception. So has this director done any other films? I don't know if he has. I've never heard of Boots Riley. Let me check real quick. I haven't. He's no. done anything else, but he did uh, one. I'm a well, Vir- he's a TV series, TV series. He's a, I'm a Virgo is yeah. a movie from this year. That's no, a TV series. Oh, it? it's a TV series. Okay. It's on George's so. and Owen's watch list. So look, these two are just best buds. Yeah. Um, but I think beyond the final scene or the final shot for shock value of him turning into a horse, I think it's actually like the boldest political statement this movie makes because kind of what Boots Riley is saying here is that, yeah, he, he didn't only join the union side. He became like the champion for the union. He got all the changes made. He was like the biggest advocate politically. But kind of what Boots Riley is trying to tell you, with, or at least my interpretation of the final scene is the damage is already done. He already sold his soul and he kind of flipped to the other side, became like, the worst in society and it's kind of like even though you kind of learn from your mistakes and went back i feel like he's kind of saying like it doesn't matter the damage is done you're kind of already a lost cause which i think is a really bold bold stance to make 100 i agree but uh yeah anything else you want to say i think it's just it's it's a 3.5 for me but i feel like i kind of want to make it a little higher because this is a a movie where the entire runtime i like almost had a grin on my face like i was just enjoying this whole movie like just so, so fun so wild all the performances are great um so much crazy visuals just <laughs> you can't put it in a box of any genre and uh yeah i really wish cam was here because he's obviously a big hater of the the cock and bo is afraid just weird get, shit he hates wanted to get his, uh, yeah i wanted the to get his take on the sorry cock. to bother cock but he did rate it 4.5 on letterbox so he does really like oh it. shit oh yeah let's say rate that he gave it a 92 out of 100 well he watched it like over a year ago so that's what his initial review was so maybe he's changed his mind but He's a big fan of like Adam McKay, so I feel like he kind of really likes the in-your-face political commentary movies like that. Um, but yeah, that's all we had. Thank you for the recommendation to 
from Zach Graves. And I do want to close with this, which I'll also make known on Discord and Patreon, is what we want to do with these real quick reviews going forward is what we've kind of done in the past is we've always focused trying to get films that none of us had seen, which has been great because we all get to get something off our watch list. But obviously those might not be the most interesting for you all to listen to. So you feel free to recommend films like a couple of us have seen, all yeah. of us have seen, because I think it'd be really fun if next week's real quick review, we're just doing Goodfellas or just doing like an episode yeah, dedicated I, to like a I, classic film. So I, I put this in a Discord the other day. I had a conversation with a few of them about it. It's just like, if you want to recommend like fucking Lord of the Rings, do you know what I mean? It doesn't have right. to be mm-hmm. something I haven't seen. Critically acclaimed, so famous, whatever. It can be anything you want us to talk about. Don't You don't have to. Because the issue is most of the classics, at least one or two of us have seen it. Most of them, you know, mm-hmm. right. at least, unless all of us. So I think it's just focusing on whatever you want to talk about, whether that's a really basic, obvious film, whether that is an obscure film, whatever you want mm-hmm. to talk about is fine, whether it's Prisoners or whether it's Sorry to Bother You, whatever you want to talk about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like we've ingrained that in our Patreon's head, which is our own fault to be like, I feel like for the past year, we've been like, rate is something none of us have seen, but we're kind of switching, yeah, yeah, yeah. switching gears here. I mean, selfishly, like if we if we drop some classic reviews like Goodfellas, The Dark Knight, stuff like that, they, they're going to be over a thousand views, which our real quick movie reviews never get. So selfishly, yeah, I feel so like it'd be feed us films that will give us yeah. views, please. Feed Thank us you. film bro movies, feed us classics, feed <laughs> us our favorites. Because I, I honestly, like nothing sounds more fun to me than just like sitting down with you guys and just like chatting about like, I don't know, The Departed or something for 45 minutes. Like it sounds like a blast. So Or like Blair uh, Witch Project. So what about that? Oh yeah, what a good movie! Perfect for October. It'd probably scare the hell out of me. I was talking to George the other day. I'm no, like, it wouldn't. Will the visit scare me? <laughs> Blair, I haven't Blair, seen yeah. it yet, but I'll continue with my M Night Slander. Blair Witch is better than every M Night movie. I'm surprised you don't like the visit more because I don't think didn't think you. I feel you talk about the visit so highly, but Blair Witch lowly. But I feel like it's more because the visit's not that highly rated. So is lowly a word? Is lowly a word? You, lowly. When you talk as fast as I just did, no one questions it except you. Low, you just kind of got I'm, I'm good at capturing these things. I did it to you earlier as well. Uh, Opp- Oppenheimer in the movie Oppenheimer called Louis Strauss a lowly shoe salesman. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Only with you that, would know with that. that sneeze, we'll, we'll end the episode. <laughs> um, we will see you in the next Real Talk. <laughs>